want to take just a moment and uh, just celebrate some things that, that God has done in and around Grace Church. Last weekend, obviously, was Easter weekend. Um, counting our Good Friday service, we had five different services, and uh, we had a lot, a lot of people that uh, were involved in our services throughout the weekend. A lot of seeds were planted. The gospel was shared, and I want to thank you for all of your work, all of your effort, all the volunteers that helped to make last weekend such a, a great time of worship and celebrating a risen Savior. And this morning, we are starting a brand new series, and what we're going to be talking about is we're talking about serving. And how serving can actually change the world. And before I I jump into the message this morning, I want to go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, we're going to get started uh, this morning. Father, in these next few moments, we're going to learn from one of the most powerful and beautiful chapters in all the scriptures relating to the incredible act of serving know every time I read this chapter, I can't believe how poetic and how hopeful and how clear it is with regard to your heart toward the, the honorable act of spending ourselves for others. I feel very inadequate to speak from this text, and I pray that you would help me this morning. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, in the, uh, in the ancient world especially in the uh, religious arena of the ancient world, if you wanted to see how spiritual you really were, the single most impressive display uh, that you could uh, demonstrate or that you could show to kind of prove to those around you that you are super spiritual would probably be to go on a multi-day fast, to stop eating all foods, to drink minimal amounts of liquids, to even forego, you know, shaving and bathing. Kind of sounds like Durango. <laughs> uh, sleep in your clothes. And if you, were, if you really wanted to impress people with how spiritual you were, you would walk around looking run down and unkept. And when someone noticed how worn out you looked and how you know, just kind of unkept you were, and um, they would say, are, are you okay? Like, are you doing all right? And then they would respond by saying, I've been fasting. I've been fasting for 20 days, and I've got one more day to go. I'm going to fast for 21 days. Wow, a 21-day fast. Like, you're the man. You're the woman. Like, that's incredible. That's so spiritual. Like, that's so awesome. I I go days sometimes forgetting to pray, and you're fasting for 21 days without food. Like, wow, that is so impressive. That kind of spiritual act would really, really impress someone. And now we come to Isaiah chapter 58. So if you have your Bibles this morning, you can turn to Isaiah chapter 58. The verses are going to be up on the screen. Church, I want to throw down a little challenge to you before we read this chapter this morning. I want to challenge you throughout this serving series, okay? So starting today, and when we end the serving series, on the last Sunday of this month, it will be 15 days. So I'm going to challenge you for 15 days to read Isaiah chapter 58 every single day. Every single day in the morning. Read Isaiah chapter 58 
it will change you. It will change you. In this amazing chapter, some religious people are fasting for the purpose of impressing God. So they're, they're not necessarily guilty of trying to impress other people around them, but they are trying to impress God with their earnestness. And they're trying, basically what they're trying to do is they're trying to manipulate God into getting him to do what they want him to do. They're trying to manipulate God to do what they want him to do. They're fasting to try to manipulate God. So God responds with these piercing words. Isaiah chapter 58 in verse 3. We're going to start reading in verse 3. This is the people saying, We have fasted before you. Okay, The religious people are saying this. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why, God says. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. Translated, your fast is not impressing me at all. It doesn't impress me. If you're trying to get me to do something while you're still exploiting or oppressing people, trying to manipulate me to do something while you're still fighting and quarreling and full of drama, there's no way I'm interested in meeting the need that you're praying about. And then God does a play on words, and this is so cool. He does a play on on the word fast. God's about to say some of the most significant words in the Old Testament concerning the act of service. He says, if you really want to impress me, if you really want to get my attention, if you really want my approval, here's the kind of fast I want you to do. Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 6. No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. That kind of fast, God says, will impress me every single time. That kind of fast will result in all kinds of blessings from my hand. Listen, in the next several verses, God describes the various blessings that he will pour out on people who commit to serve other people, especially the needs of the poor. Isaiah 58 and verse 8, he says, When you spend yourself on behalf of others, Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Wow, isn't that beautiful? Like that's so amazing. But God isn't done yet. In in case people didn't get it the first time, he lays it out one more time with blinding clarity. Isaiah 58 and verse 10. Here we go again. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. 
Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. What we just read is one of the longest lists of, of the promise of God's blessings recorded in a single passage in the entire Bible. Like, man, <clears throat> we love to read about the promises of God, and what we just read was the longest list of God's promises recorded in one section in the entire Bible. And maybe you didn't catch them because I read them quickly, but I want to give them to you in the form of a list, so that way we can really see them, what God's um, saying he will do for us if we give ourselves to the service of others. Here's what I promise to give you, God says. Joy, healing, protection, answers to your prayers, provision, guidance for the critical decisions of your life. Soul satisfaction. Like an ever-flowing spring and strength in times of weakness. All that has to be done to open the, the floodgate of these blessings in your life is to spend yourself in the service of others. What does this tell us about the heart of God concerning people? What does this show show us about God's heart? He obviously cares deeply about the plight of the poor, about broken people. And, And it's teaching us in Isaiah chapter 58 that he wants us to care as well. He wants us to care about the brokenness of people and what people are really going through. He says, if you want to go on a fast that will really blow me away, then feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, shelter the homeless, clothe the naked, lighten the burden of those who work for you, let the oppressed go free, remove the chains that bind people, and help those who are in trouble. It will impress me every single time. At some point, with God's heart so clearly exposed, the question has to be asked, why would people who have the Holy Spirit, why would the people of God who have the Holy Spirit living within them, why would Christ followers of all people neglect the act of serving? Why would people neglect the poor? Why, why is it that sometimes ministry leaders feel like they have to twist arms, you know, to, for people to serve others? I think a lot of churches, a lot of people, they don't realize how central this matter is to the heart of God. Sadly, a, a, a lot of churches, what, what happens is they end up 
fighting over deeper theology. They're trying so desperately to get all of their theology right. And by the way, there is no church that has it exactly right. That church doesn't exist. But yet, we, we fight so hard to get it all right. Honestly, I think we worship right. We want to be right so bad so we can say, you're wrong. And in the meantime, while we're infighting and while we're bickering about theology and, and these deeper matters that really don't matter to a hill of beans, the poor and the broken are all around us. But we got our theology right. Did you know there are over 2,000 verses in the scriptures related to serving and caring for the poor? God's word is filled with teaching about it. You see, true followers of Jesus Christ know how to serve. True followers of Jesus know that that God's heart breaks for the broken. He wants to be the father to the fatherless. Jesus' followers care. Man, when you have the Holy Spirit living within you, you, you care about the brokenness of people around you. You can't help but feel it, and you care about them. You care, and then you'll do something about the brokenness. That's what Jesus' followers do. And we've seen it all throughout history. Orphanages started by Christians. Some of the greatest educational institutions in our country were originally started by Christians. They wanted to help people be able to provide for themselves, and they were trying to help educate people. Hospitals started by Christians, Christians looking at the brokenness around them and they began to say, I got to do something about this. I've got to respond. I've got to act. I got to show up. They see, they feel, they act, they equip, they empower, they empathize. And I know you've been wondering all morning, Justin, why do you have two stools sitting right next to you? All right. So here we go. I'm going to use these stools for just a moment. I actually shared this example with our squad. Our squad is our youth ministry little small group that meets in Bayfield. And I thought it went over so well, I'm going to share it with you. So what we have is two chairs. And I want to share briefly, because I think sometimes we as a church, we as people and Christians, sometimes we get this confused. I want to show the difference between sympathy and empathy. Okay? So this chair right here, for example, we're going to set this aside. Um, If you could use your imagination with me for just a moment. This chair, there's someone sitting in this chair, and this individual is very broken, really broken. Has had a hard upbringing, didn't have, um, you know, good parents. I mean, just um, experienced some, some sexual abuse when they were younger. I mean, just went through some horrific things in their past. This individual is very broken. And sometimes what we as Christians do is we'll see the brokenness because we have eyes to see that because we care. So we'll see the brokenness 
and will say, gosh, I feel so bad for you. I am so sorry. We show sympathy. But then it's like, well, I hope the best for you, but I got to move on with my life. I got things to do. I got to show up to work. I got to provide for my family. I got to write a sermon, you know, for church. I got to serve at church. You know, I got things I got to do. I feel really bad for you, and I hope everything works out. And I'll pray for you, but I'm moving on. That's, that's sympathy, okay? And there's nothing wrong with sympathy, okay? It's good to be sympathetic. You're recognizing the brokenness. But you can see not much was done about the brokenness. Now, empathy is you see this broken individual, you recognize the brokenness, you feel the brokenness, you pray for this individual, but empathy is when you pull up a chair and you sit right next to him. And you say, you know what? I'm going to walk with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to journey with you through this brokenness, and we're going to get through this together. That's empathy. Does that make sense? All right? So that's what Christians do is they show empathy. And there's a big difference between those two. Mother Teresa said, not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. Something else she said that's pretty amazing is, if you can't feed a hundred people, feed just one. Now, now here's a question I have to ask you. Oh, this is uh, going to start feeling warm in here. I want you to think about your life right now. And who is the one person outside of your intermediate family, even extended family, okay? Because I think that's too easy. But who is that one person that you're journeying with? That you're ministering to? That you're consistently praying for? That you're... Your ear is attuned to their needs. And when you hear they have a need, you try to meet that need. Like one person. One person. And, and the, the challenging thing is, is if you can't think of one person, and I don't know, I'm, that might be a problem. Who's that one person? What I'm trying to teach you is that all of us can serve. And it's, and it's not, I mean, everything is important. Please hear me on this. Like, man, singing and preaching and teaching and, you know, things around the church, it's all important. But what I'm trying to push us as a church, I'm trying to shepherd us, I'm trying to lead us to the idea of serving an individual, ministering to a human being that is broken. And loving them and meeting their needs and praying for them. You see, serving is the highest level of living. And when we spend ourselves on behalf of others, we, we gain this sort of fulfillment. 
Remember Jesus, that was one of the promises. It was like a, it was like a, a spring, you know. It, it means it's, it brings this soul satisfaction that nothing else will bring. Like when you minister to people, it does something good to your heart. It brings this fulfillment that can never be bought with money or satisfied with more stuff. Serving is something we can all do. We can all do it, every single person. Being willing to serve others can transform your business. It can transform your family. It can transform your church. It can transform your life. It's what Jesus came to do. He came to serve. Right now, what we're going to do is we're actually going to honor, we're going to highlight a couple in our church that have been a great example of what it means to serve. And we're going to have a little fun with it. I'm going to invite uh, Katie. She's our children's pastor to come up. And she's actually going to introduce this couple to you. And uh, we're going to celebrate them and honor them this morning. Good morning. I don't know if this is on. Um, I'm Katie, if you do not know me. Um, and I'm excited to come up here and talk about um, a couple that is on the G Kids team downstairs, and it is actually Melissa and her husband, Jackson Yellow, and he's not here right now, but you might not know this, but Jackson and Melissa had actually attended Grace Church since before they were married, back when they were in college, and that was when I first met them. They've been serving in G-Kids, like just our kids' ministry, for more than 12 years. I think it's actually probably closer to 16, Najoni's about to turn 16, and I think they've been down there since she was a baby. Um, and that's not the only thing they've done. Like if you go down into the kitchen, Jackson was who helped lay the, lay down like the wood floor in the kitchen and they've served for events and different things. So they've been serving at Grace Church for a really, really long time. Um, and I'm super grateful for them. They're, they're down in G kids every week for the past five years. Uh, we, when we switched to two services, they've actually volunteered on a weekly basis. And a lot of people think like, Oh, they'll ask me like, where's the childcare? What we're doing downstairs is not childcare. It is discipleship, and people like Jackson and Melissa are pouring into our kids, walking with them through their spiritual journey. They're praying for your kids. They're getting to know them. Um, they're giving up time on the weekends to go do things like retreats and camps and all sorts of things, and um, it would not function well down there without volunteers like Jackson and Melissa. Um, I have a lot of fun, <laughs> favorite memories of them, probably mostly from winter retreat where a lot of the kids discover that Mrs. Yellow is probably more competitive than they are, <laughs> um, which is fun. Also, uh, Jackson has actually been affectionately dubbed Mrs. Green by a lot of the kids downstairs. Um, so we just have a lot of fun. Um, I'm super grateful for them just for the time that they've invested in the next generation here at Grace Church. Um, and I just know that that is an investment that God is going to honor in the lives of our kids as we see them all grow up. So we wanted to just um, thank them and recognize them this morning and have a little gift for you. Um, but we love you guys. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Melissa. I know Jackson's working today. But, uh, man, I know 16 years, that's a long time. That's a long time to be serving so faithfully, driving all the way from Aztec for the majority of that time, 
And uh, we really appreciate your service and, and really look up to you and respect you guys. Thank you so much. Um, you know, there's so many ways to serve. There's so many ways to make a difference. And the idea is you just simply need to, you, need to, you just need to show up when God says, hey, I want you to do this. You just need to say yes and commit to it. And listen, the answer is to, to never do nothing. Like, that's never an option, right? Because we have a verse in the scripture that says, faith without what? Works is what? All right, I'm going to say it one more time. Faith without is it's dead. That means it's not breathing. That means there's no personality. That means it's pretty boring. That means it's not doing anything. It's dead. Faith without works is dead. Our faith should be demonstrated through our works. Listen, we can do little things with great love. Even in a pandemic, we can do little things with great love. So find creative ways to serve. Listen, our, our small groups, they need to be serving together. They need to be finding creative ways to serve. There, there have been some groups that have been creative and they've been serving. They've been uh, reaching out to their neighbors and ministering. And man, that's, that's what, remember, that's the kind of fasting that pleases God. That's when God says, yes, that's what I want. That's what I want to see. I'm going to go out on a limb a little bit and say, if, if our small groups, if our Bible studies, if our if our church, if all we do is study and eat, we are getting beat, all right? We're losing, all right? And yes, I put it in a rhyme so you could remember it, all right? If all we do is study and eat, we are getting beat. The enemy's winning is what I'm trying to say. It can't just be study and eat. We, we have to have fellowship. We have to connect with one another. But then we have a, a, a strategy for a reason that says we need to go out. We have to go out and we have to serve. Faith without works is dead. You know, it's always fun for me when I was putting this series together to think about our church and to think about people in our church and to think about you and I'm always just inspired and my blood get, it gets, starts pumping and I, I start thinking, wow, we have mechanics, we have carpenters, electricians, plumbers, designers, engineers. We have retired folks with a lot of time. I mean, my point is that every single person has something unique that they can offer to God. Something that could be offered to ease the burden of the poor and the broken. Something that they could offer to serve other people. I want us to look at the list from Isaiah 58 again. If you give yourself to the service of others, he will give you joy, healing, protection, answers to your prayers, provision, guidance, Soul satisfaction, like an ever-flowing spring, and strength in times of weakness. In closing, could I, could I be really blunt with you? 
this morning and honest, as honest as I know how to be. My goal, my desire, the win for this series is to see in you, okay, each of you, each of you online, to see in you a serving mindset that says, I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to bless people, to minister to people, to ease the burden for the broken. And here's the blunt part. If we as a church, if you and your small group, if you and your Bible studies, if you don't serve together, eventually you won't stay together. You know, churches that start to have division and churches that start to have infighting and they start to basically feed on themselves are churches that are not going out. They're not serving. And they start getting focused on theological matters and trying to be right and proving everyone else wrong. But churches that serve together and they say, hey, we already know that we don't have everything right, but we know that Jesus is right and we're going to follow Jesus and we're going to go the way of Jesus and we're going to serve together. We're going to go out together. We're going to go on missions trips together. We're going to find broken people in our community that we can take a meal to or that we can go mow their lawn or we can fix their car or we can go paint their house or we can just do something to serve together. Those people stay together and they love one another and they don't fight. They minister to each other. And they bless their community. Whatever it takes, I'm willing to serve. Wherever that may be, I'm willing to serve. What what if Grace Church were not only known as the kindest church? Okay, you you are you have a reputation of man being one of the kindest, if not the kindest church in this region. Okay? Like you are kind people, and I Applaud that. I love that. What if Grace Church were not only known for kindness? What if we were not only known as being a generous church? You're known as being a generous church. We we took a hope offering on Christmas Eve. We had, you know, I can't remember the exact number, $25,000 come in, something to that effect. I can't tell you how many families we have blessed this year helping to ease their burden financially, providing a car for a young lady who needed a car, ministering to people that are hungry. We've given so many food boxes away, and that's because of your generosity. So what if we were not only known as a kind church and a generous church, but what if we were also known for service? I'm not talking about just busyness or being busybodies, but true service to others. Because here's, here's what I'm going to say. It's, it's really good to be kind. It's really good to be generous. But those are kind of like base level. That, that's like expected from Jesus followers. Where we actually ramp things up 
is where you show empathy. And you begin to journey with someone that's broken. That's when things get hard. And that's where it becomes more difficult when you start ministering to the broken. That's what this community so desperately needs. That's that's what this region so desperately needs. What if people in this area said, man, I don't believe everything they teach over there at Grace Church, but they serve. Like People can't argue against that. They can't argue against active love being shown. People aren't upset with that. They're not going to argue against it. I don't believe everything they teach, but they care for the poor. They minister to the broken. And the reality is, is if each of us started to do little things with great love, one person, one person that we began pouring into and showing the love of Jesus to, this region would take notice. They would take notice. And here's where I'll end the sermon. Our church is... Our church started in 1948. So you do the math. Our church is that years old, okay? We have been preaching our hearts out, singing our hearts out since 1948. And God has done some incredible things. But I don't know if our region has taken notice yet. So where I'm challenged is if we're going to impact this region with the gospel of Jesus Christ, it has to be more than preaching our hearts out and singing our hearts out. I think it has to be serving our hearts out. And I think our region will begin to take notice. That's my challenge to myself. That's my challenge to you. And I challenge you to read Isaiah 58 for 15 days, okay? Do it. I think you'll be blessed by it. If you would join me in prayer. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the service of the yellows, just demonstrating faithfulness and serving. And I know my kids have been blessed by their service. So many kids have been ministered to by them, and I pray that you would bless them, God. And it's, it's, it's fun to, to see the yellows, and we can see your promises being fulfilled in their lives. We see joy. They have protection, answers to, to their prayers. They've been provided for. They have soul satisfaction. They, they are such a strong family. It's like your promises are living themselves out in real time by their example. Father, we, we want to impact this region, not for our glory or so that we can say we're so cool, our church is so cool. No, we want to impact this region because there's so much brokenness. There's, there's so many people that are just looking for purpose, looking for fulfillment. And I pray, Father, that we would just start with one person. We begin serving one person. And if 
each of us did that, man, the impact would be wide. Father, we love you. We praise you. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take the scriptures, you would take the words that have been spoken this morning, and you would do what you do. You would work. You would convict. You would challenge. And I pray against this message falling on deaf ears. I pray that instead, Lord, we would take action and our faith would be worked out. In Jesus' name.